Huye. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Major League Baseball did something possibly right? Say what? Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. It's Thursday, August the 25th, and we're going to get you a little bit closer to the weekend. I, of course, am Raymond Parsons Third, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today. Four guests. All of them are going to be high quality. Dennis Skeins, Cecilia High football coach, will be joining us an hour from right now at straight up 7 o'clock to help preview the Bulldog season. Then at 7.30... ACA head coach Taylor Butan will be joining us to help preview their season. That'll be at 7.30. At straight up 8 o'clock, Les East will hop on talking Saints training camp gearing up for the third and final preseason game, which will be tomorrow night inside the Caesar Superdome against the Los Angeles Chargers. And finally at 8.30, from Saturday Down South, the college football reporter columnist, Connor O'Gare, to help us preview the season, which officially kicks off this week with the Week Zero slate of games. We'll also get to the latest that we've heard from Raging Cajuns, Fall Camp, Saints Training Camp, and of course, the Houston Astros, who were able to get Another quality start out of Framer Valdez, a new franchise record. As they hold on for a victory over the Minnesota Twins, despite the bullpen saying, hey, let's cough up some more runs late. That's becoming a bit of a trend. And of course, we'll take your phone calls. The game hotline is always open. You know we love to hear from you. 337 Seven zero six zero one one one. That's three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. But we're going to start off today with the news that came out yesterday. Schedules for the twenty twenty three season were unveiled, and I don't know if this was released beforehand, but it caught me by surprise. Not the schedules of all the teams being released. But the fact that Major League Baseball somehow found a way that all 30 of its teams will play each other next year. Now, not everyone's going to be able to play home and away. There's no way to do that. But every team in Major League Baseball is going to face every other team in the league. And I think this is cool as hell. 
look, I'm old enough to remember when you didn't play teams from the other league. I remember when interleague play became a trendy thing. It's a long time ago. I also remember when the Atlanta Braves were in the National League West. Atlanta, by the way, is on the East Coast. So things change. Baseball change. Baseball has to adapt. This is a good thing for baseball. This is a smart move. I am, have been and will be immensely critical of Manford as the commissioner, the leader of Major League Baseball, because I think he does a terrible job. He is incompetent in his position. But this is cool. This is a cool thing. This is going to be good. Yes, you'll still play all your division opponents as much as possible. That's not changing. But now, your team, your favorite team, whether you're a Braves fan or an Astros fan or a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan or a Rangers fan or a Seattle Mariners fan, doesn't matter. Your team is going to face the other 29 teams in a full season. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, great opportunities that's going to have for you as a fan to be able to watch your favorite team play a team they rarely play. Another star player on the rise gets to come to your ballpark or you get to go to their ballpark. This is a good thing for Major League Baseball. It's a smart thing. Unbelievable that they are able to actually do this. That's what I can't believe. All 30 MLB teams will play one another in a season for the first time ever. It's never happened before. It's going to happen next year. This is cool, man. Look, if you're a baseball guy, you kind of love this. And once again, I know old school baseball guy may not like this. You don't like National League teams playing American League teams. You probably think interleague play is pas bon. I get it. But this is going to help keep Major League Baseball. This is going to help it not necessarily stay relevant because it is still relevant. But this is kind of a cool thing. And Major League Baseball needs to be, let's be honest, needs to be cool. Needs help being cool. It just does. It needs to be cool, and this is something that's interesting. Now, look, are there going to be matchups because you're having to play all 29 other teams in the league? Are there going to be matchups that are going to make you groan? You're going to be like, yes, yes, there are. Make no bones about it. That's going to happen. But you're also going to get some really cool matchups. You're going to get Braves-Astros. That's already on the schedule. 
Astros at Atlanta. I checked out the Astros schedule last night when it was released. But yeah, you get your divisional games, but you also get Astros taking on the Cubs. Lots of Cubs fans out there. Astros taking on the Cardinals. That's that's cool. That'll be awesome. So this is a good thing. What it does do, though, as a result, division opponents will play each other just 13 times. That's going to be down from 19. I actually like this, and I'll explain why. That makes those divisional games even more important now. Because there's less of them. Think how important the divisional games are for the National Football League. You only play a divisional opponent twice. You only have those six games, right? They're like gold. They're of of dire importance. Now you reduce the amount of divisional games from 19 down to 13. Now you're making them far more important. That could also, because of that, maybe prompts some teams not to, let's be honest, just give up on a season and just tank. Every team will host a three-game series or play a three-game series on the road against every team from the opposite league. Those natural rivalries that we've gone with interleague, Mets-Yankees, Subway Series, Dodgers, Angels, Cubs, White Sox will play each other four times, twice at home and twice on the road. Other than the natural rivalries, teams would participate in interleague play only against a single division from the opposite league. The changes mean not every team will visit every city every year. As I stated, that said, they're all guaranteed at least one series against each team from the other league. That's kind of interesting. And, and just think of the the rivalries that we'll get every single year. Instead of having to match up division versus division, you're going to be able to get games against all 29 teams. So in addition to Mets, Yankees, and Cubs, White Sox, Dodgers, Angels, you're going to get Reds, Guardians. You're going to get Nationals, Orioles, Cardinals, Royals, which is a great underrated series that we don't talk enough about. Braves, Red Sox. Atlanta Braves used to be back in the day before they were in Milwaukee. They were in Boston. Pirates, Tigers. Astros, Rockies. There's some interesting things that are going to happen there. The new balance schedule will feature all 30 clubs playing each other for at least one series in 2023. MLB Chief Operations and Strategy Officer Chris Moranick said in a statement. Furthermore, he said this new format creates more consistent opponent matchups as clubs compete for postseason berths, particularly in the recently expanded wildcard round. 
Additionally, this fan-friendly format provides fans with the opportunity to see more opponent matchups with a particular focus on dramatically expanding our most exciting interleague matchups and offers more national exposure to the star players throughout our game. End quote. There it is. That's why it's also smart. Baseball, by its nature, is regional. It's a lot like college football. It's regional. So when you have these stars like a Mike Trout or like a Jordan Alvarez or Ronald Acuna Jr. or, you know, whoever it might be, there's parts of the country that aren't exposed to them. Major League Baseball has struggled to promote its stars. It's struggled to figure out a way to prop up, prop up its biggest stars and market them to a nationwide audience. Now the fan bases of every team are going to see the stars from every team. That's good for the brand of Major League Baseball. That's good for continuing to highlight the stars of Major League Baseball. This can only help. It can't hurt. Some other notable things. All 30 teams will play on Jackie Robinson Day on Saturday, April 15th, including the Cubs visiting the Dodgers. That's not always the case, but all 30 will play on Jackie Robinson Day. The Tampa Bay Rays and Dodgers are going to meet in St. Petersburg for three games in May, marking their first games against each other since the 2020 World Series. The Cardinals will meet the Cubs for a two-game series at London Stadium which was previously announced that'll happen in late June. The All-Star Game will be played July 11th in Seattle. Shout out to five names for her team. All 30 clubs will also play on Roberto Clemente Day on Friday, September 15th, including the Pirates hosting the Yankees at PNC Park. Baseball did something right. There'll be some people that will grumble about this. There'll be some people that won't care for this. I get it. I understand. But this is good for the game. This is good for the growth of the game that we all love. It's a good deal. Leads us to our poll question of the day on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. MLB is making all 30 teams play each other in 2023. Is that fair or is it foul? Right now, 92% of you say fair. Only 8% say foul. Steve with the salty comment. It is Thursday. It's not Friday. I've watched more Little League Baseball this week than Major League Baseball all year. It means more to Little League, and it shows on the field. Shorter games, faster playing. I just love for the game that has gotten lost in Major League Baseball. Proof that money changes everything. I don't disagree with that, Steve, but if you think people aren't making money off of Little League Baseball, eh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, I get it. Yeah, you get to see the kids enjoy it, but uh, ESPN is printing money off of that thing, uh, and they've done so for years. So I'm going to like your comment because in principle, I, I get it, but, uh, you know. Little League Baseball is a uh, money-making enterprise 
for uh, ESPN. So I'm just going to leave that there. And uh, a lot of their decisions about the coverage that you get for Little League Baseball is based on greed as well. Just, just saying. Just saying. John Paul, the Cajun Daddy, says, the only reason I say foul is because they will most likely not take the time to lay out the play to balance the game rules between the two leagues. Just come up with one set of rules. I mean, it's been over 100 years. You should have time to figure it out. Hey, fair point, John Paul. <laughs> That's a fair point. JPK, the OD, says, bring it on. Line them up. Come get some. The Mariners will plow through them all. Oh, JPK, the OD, is fired up about, what is it, fear the teal? What's the, what's the I don't know what their, their, their moniker is. Isn't there like a hashtag for Seattle? See us rise. What? See, like see us rise. No. It's not good. But there is also fear the teal. People it needs to be fear well. the teal. There's both. But the usual one they always post is the see us rise. Because you get it, Seattle. See? Yeah, yeah, got yeah got I got it. I, I, I got it. See us. Sure. See. Don't help you out. What's... What's more effective, hmm. see us rise as you play off the word Seattle or just say fear the teal? What's What sounds more aggressive and more intimidating? See us rise, fear the teal. I think it's pretty obvious. But see how you changed your tone when you said it? Okay, I'll it's say The it. intonation of how you're saying the words, that changes the meaning. Your $5 college word that you learned at, you learned at UL, keep that aside. <laughs> Okay, with your fancy education. Okay, and with, your, with your fanciness, with your, with your diploma. See us rise. Fear the teal. Fear is a more aggressive action word. It's a better word. Okay. Just saying. Whatever you say. Talk to your people in the Pacific Northwest. I'm still waiting on them to name the dance they do whenever they win, but they won't respond to me when I ask them that question. You're failing. I know. You're failing. And so Always. are the Mariners with their hashtags. They're a great young team. Do better with the hashtag. All right, we got to take a timeout. Keep voting on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitters. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Astros, they got the win last night. But the bullpen gave up more runs yet again. That's coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's right, because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. You can also win yourself a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score those great prizes. Once again, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar or Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. 
by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. Go sign up. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. Simply visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. That way you'll have the opportunity to score great prizes to help with those date night blues. But you can only do so if you become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today. Same day, Major League Baseball releases the schedule for 2023 with all 30 teams playing each other for the first time ever in a season. The Houston Astros took on the Minnesota Twins. Strohs, Twinkies from Minute Maid. And Houston gutted out the 5-3 victory. They get to 80 wins on the season. Only two teams in Major League Baseball have 80 wins, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Houston Astros. Framer Valdez put together yet another very good start. A new franchise record for quality starts as Framer goes out there and gets the job done. His 21st straight quality start, a new Astros record. Framer also picks up win number 13 on the season. He goes seven innings, gives up only one run on two hits, did walk four batters, but struck out eight. As he now is 13-4, and four, the first-time All-Star this year would normally, with those type of numbers, would be somebody's ace. Most of Major League Baseball, if they had Framer Valdez, he would be their ace, their number one. But he pitches for the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander is the ace. And the guy that's more than likely going to win the Cy Young. They got enough production that they needed. Altuve... Monster 400-foot home run there in the first inning to set the tone. Former Astro Carlos Correa in his second game back at Minute Maid as a member of the Twins. Brought in a run on a sack fly there in the third to tie it up. But then Yuli Gurriel, the old man who has been struggling all season long, comes up with a sack fly to score Maldonado to reclaim the lead there in the third. Then Bregman hits a sack fly to score Alvarez in the six. And Mancini proving once again smart trade deadline move by the Strohs. Hits a two-run blast in the six to make it 5-1. And they needed Mancini's two-run blast because another game, another night, and the Astros' bullpen decides let's cough up runs. They were the best bullpen in Major League Baseball, and then the calendar turned to August, and they have been completely off. It could be the dog days of summer. It could be the the fact that the season is so condensed without having the time off. But they're struggling. The bullpen has not been its best. Twins are able to plate two runs there in the ninth to make it five to three because this night it wasn't Abreu. Abreu was good. He pitched a clean inning, struck out a batter. 
But Montero came in and two hits, two runs, one of them earned, walked a batter as well on 23 pitches. Now, they're able to get get out of it, and they've been able to do that. But the bullpen, it's a little concerning. You just hope it's the dog days of summer if you're an Astros fan. You just hope it's a little bit of wear and tear, and they'll find a way to push through it. They're still winning these games. So that's the thing, right? That this is being, you know, we're nitpicking a little bit here. They're still winning games. They've won 80 of them. Only two teams in baseball have done that, them and the Dodgers. They're a World Series contender. But if your bullpen is shaky come postseason time, you will lose. We see it happen every single year great offense great starting pitching bullpen shaky lose a series it happens every single season so the best bullpen in the big leagues for most of the season has been shaky now for nearly a month just something to keep an eye on once again you have the whole month of september before postseason play begins, it won't begin until October. So they got an entire, you know, month plus to kind of get through this, push through this kind of lull in their performance as a bullpen. Because when they're stepping out on the mound, if you're an Astros fan right now, you're kind of holding your breath going, oh, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Once again, they're still winning, but it's a little shaky we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to shift gears from Major League Baseball to the latest going on with the New Orleans Saints training camp. Once again, final preseason game is tomorrow night inside the Caesars Superdome. We're going to hear from coaches and players next. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly. Win or lose. You can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one like which team will get the win, which team to score first, and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Got to be 21 years of age to play physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 is issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions do apply. 
So you got to see terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Time for us to talk a little New Orleans Saints football here on RP3 and Company. They're wrapping up the final week of the preseason. Once again, they'll be taking on the Los Angeles Chargers inside the Caesars Superdome tomorrow night. Before we get to what we heard from the players, can we just take a moment to celebrate the shade that the Saints decided to throw the Atlanta Falcons way? They're going through the renovations there at the Superdome. It's going to take three to four years. They're going through the massive renovations where they're going to redo the entire, essentially, inside of the the dome. Your experience during a Saints game is going to drastically change. Concourse areas, uh, bars, concession stands, everything's changing. A big, massive, I think like $400 million renovation. So they have signs up in the Superdome. You know, saying, hey, this area is blocked off, and it's going to be that way for the season. right? There's going to be certain areas that you're not going to be allowed to go to because of the massive renovation project. They have a huge banner. Covers up an entire wall. And it states this. Our new express escalators will get you to your seats 28.3 times faster than before. That may not be an exact number, but there's something about 28 to 3 coming in 2023. Of course, the Falcons blew the Super Bowl to the Patriots after leading 28 to 3. <laughs> so the Saints put up something like that for the renovation project and make it about their escalators. That is just chef's kiss. Just just so such good quality there. Throwing shade at the dirty birds. Let's get to what the players had to say as camp is starting to wind down here. Started getting reported on this week that the Saints were starting to use extremely loud music during practices, like deafening music. And first-year head coach Dennis Allen explained why they decided to start doing that. Yeah, so just get working on some of our silent cadence stuff. You know, it, it, it's beneficial to both sides. You know, obviously, when we're in the dome, it's it's beneficial for our defense, you know, in terms of the communication in those situations. And then, obviously, when we go on the road, you know, our offense has to operate in a noise, noisy environment. So, and look, I thought for the first time in a silent, silent cadence, I thought it was pretty clean. Dennis was also asked, how does he feel now that camp is starting to wind down and the preseason is about to be over? How does he feel about the work? that his team has accomplished during this training camp? Yeah, I feel like it's been pretty good. I really do. I mean, I think the one thing I, I know is that our guys are competing extremely hard out here every day, and, and we're getting better. We still have a lot of things we got we got to clean up, but overall I think it's been a pretty good camp to this point. I, I would say that as well. People that I trust that have been there at camp say it's been a good camp, said the team looks sharp. They play they're they're competing, which is a good sign. They're just not going through the motions. You always worry about that when it's a transition of power. 
new coach. But they're playing with, you know, a bit of pep in their step. And part of that's because some of the new guys they brought in, including, you know, the Honey Badger. That's a guy that's ultra-motivated, is known to getting his teammates, you know, pumped up, getting them raring to go. And he talked to the media yesterday as well and spoke on the amount of talent that the Saints defense has entering the 2022 season. Oh, man, uh, it's a talented unit. You know, I think I played, you know, some great defenses, um, you know, whether it be the secondary or, you know, the D-line. I, I, I think this team, you know, I think all three levels, you know, we have real impact players, you know, uh, at key positions. So I, I think that'll serve us well, you know, going into the season, late in the season, you know, if we make the playoffs going into the Super Bowl. Part of joining a new team always involves trust developing that chemistry with your new teammates and more importantly them trusting you you trusting them and also let's be honest you trusting yourself in a new scheme with a new team in a different city than you've typically been playing in and honey badger spoke on that as well yeah i mean you know i play defense and um so you know when i get it wrong it's a touchdown it's a big play you know a big game so I think those things are important, you know, just constantly building that chemistry, you know, with your teammates. I think just, you know, me and Marcus being on the field at the same time, you know, that's helped, you know. Um, so the more and more guys we get, you know, uh, in our unit on the field, you know, I think it'll help, you know, progress all of us, really. Secondary is going to be stout. Honey Badger, Paulson Adebo, Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams, Alante Taylor, the rook out of Tennessee. Uh, they're loaded, but they're also really good up front. And, of course, that's led by the man who's the multiple pro bowler, all pro, one of the greatest Saints to ever play, Cam Jordan. And he talked how he feels about the D-line's potential heading into the preseason finale Friday night. Man, they're the uh, unheralded uh, defensive heroes. You know, they're... They're guys that are the, the driving force. I mean, if I can get a, a great nose push, we can have a lot of pressure off this edge. Um, you know, that's why I always throw in David Onyemata being one of the most underrated D tackles in the game because he creates a lot of havoc in the backfield. Um, guys like Roach, uh, Shy Tuttle, um, you know, we bring in Contavious Street, uh, Albert Huggins. I think that we've got a good rotation where we can create some push back there. Um, you know, uh, I think that if we have exactly, if we get exactly what we want from them, you know, three, four yards in the backfield where a quarterback can't push up, then you have, you know, me coming off the edge, uh, Taco, Tano, Peyton, Marcus Davenport. We've got a plethora of ways where we can create pressure. And uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing if everything works out the way I want it to. D-line is going to be set, regardless of Peyton Turner can rise to the occasion as a second-year pro. This team's going to be led by its defense and its special teams. Will Lutz has been a monster. He looks like he's back to his form from a few years ago. The question mark is about the offense. Is the offense going to be able to score enough points for the Saints this year? And I believe it will. They've added some nice weapons. They got Michael Thomas coming back. You added Jarvis Landry and Chris Alave. And you get a healthy Jameis Winston. And Winston spoke with the media yesterday, and he talked about how he feels better every single day. I feel a lot better. I've been getting better every single day. Like, it felt good to really be able to, yesterday, I, I could run a little bit more and move around a little bit more. 
because that's part of my game, you know, so I'm getting better every day. For him, Winston, it's been a humbling experience, his career going from Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, number one overall pick, putting up monster numbers to then losing his way, getting shown the door, having to be a backup, and then last year suffering an injury. It's been a humbling experience for him, and he spoke on that, and he's done this numerous times about how this game and having the opportunity to play it is something he's not going to take for granted. Every day I'm, I'm really visualizing how I can make the best of this day. And, and last year, even though it was, you know, it was an improvement, uh, I can't wait to step back on the field and compete some more. Because one thing I know, that I would not take this opportunity for granted ever again. And uh, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to have that chance to go out there and stress some people, throw some touchdowns, win some football games, and make, keep y'all smiling, keep everybody smiling. I, I, love, I love good days, right? And if I have a bad day, right, get better from that and continue to be resilient and persevere. Uh, nothing is going to kind of hurt me or nothing is going to deter me from my thinking because uh, I'm an optimistic guy. Uh, I love challenges. I just love winning way more. And speaking of winning way more, you, know, you look at the Saints team, and I know national media is predicting this team to be around 500 and probably missing the postseason. But you look at the roster. Once again, this team played – Four different quarterbacks, including Ian Book and Trevor Simeon last year, had no Will Lutz, had no Michael Thomas, still nearly made the playoffs. The roster got better. And Winston was asked, is this the best team he's ever been with? Yeah, I, I believe we got a, a lot of great pieces. Obviously, I played with uh, tremendous talent you know, uh, at, at Tampa, but I believe this, this team has a, a lot of talent, and I believe we can do some great things. But, you know, actions speak louder than words, and I'm pretty sure everyone in this building would, would say that we want to uh, do our talking on the field. That's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear. He didn't, he didn't take the bait. He said, yeah, we got talent, but you know what? It's just words. That's what you want to hear. I'm telling you, if the Saints can be healthy, they're a playoff team. They're a playoff team. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one update the poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to Chops Specialty Meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. You have to enter, though, to win the Ultimate Tailgate Giveaway by becoming a member of our rewards club. Go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can have the opportunity to win the Ultimate Tailgate Giveaway. Once again, Ultimate Tailgate Giveaway is powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. Let's check out our poll question of the day. Major League Baseball made the decision for all 30 teams to play each other in 2023. Now they're going to reduce the number of division games from 19 down to from 19 down to 13. That'll reduce the number of divisional games, but every team's going to play each other 
in 2023. That'll be the first time that's ever happened. That's our poll question of the day. Is it fair or is it foul? Major League Baseball making this happen. 96% of you say fair. Only 4% say foul. Ton on Twitter says, I think it's great, but it almost seems like a step to get rid of AL and National League for Universal League. Best records, not division champs, making playoffs, question mark, regulation and promotion next. So many questions. Also, why is the Astros bullpen pitching like they placed bets on runs over under? It's a good question, Ton. It's a good question. Exactly. Oh, JPK, the OD says, get on the plane and head out west. Jet lag is worth 0.5 runs on the betting line. Hashtag, you want to play the best head out all out west. That's a, that's a, that, that's a very long hashtag. That's <laughs> a very long hashtag. Cajun fan says, they should have done this 100 years ago. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off with Dennis Skanes, Cecilia High football coach. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. More rain more rain today woof (laughs) i just you know can we just go ahead and get this out of the way now it's been a a soggy week because high school football is upon us people okay go and get this rain out of the way now and that way these teams can make sure to play in their jamborees which some will be played tonight Others will be played tomorrow night. Yet jamborees, and it, as important as the jamborees are in the process of evaluating, and you get to, you know, it's glorified scrimmage. You get to play against another team. You get to see how far your team really has progressed. You really don't know that until they face off against other competition. As important as the jamborees may be, I, I think most coaches would say, you know what, I'll sacrifice a jamboree as long as you don't rain out my actual games. That's really what matters the most, is the actual games. Once again, high school football season is going to kick off next week. And we've been talking about it all week with some of our area's best coaches, and we're going to keep that moving right along this morning here on RP3 and Company. As we kick off our number two with the man that's in charge of the Cecilia Bulldogs. Expectations are always high over in Cecilia. And our man knows that better than most. And he has a team that he feels can rise to that occasion. Welcome back to the program, Coach Dennis Skanes. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Hey, good morning, man. I'm doing great. Doing great. Trying to 
Dodges rain. That's about it. <laughs> oh, got to love August and September in Louisiana. It's oh, never. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It never changes, man. It's, it never changes. So let's go back to last year and how did you feel about last season? What were the biggest takeaways you had from what you guys were able to accomplish on the field a year ago? Oh, I mean, it was a, I thought last year was great. Just a great group of uh, seniors. It was a small group. You know, we only had uh, 11, I think, uh, seniors, but it was a, it was a really good group of seniors and uh, they led and, you know, I think because of their leadership and the leadership of the juniors who are now seniors this year, uh, you know, we were able to take another big step in the growth of the program. And that's something we've been, you know, harping on and, and trying, you know, when you're building this thing up, it's something you talk about a lot. And uh, I thought last year was a huge step for our kids. Um, but it also ended before we wanted it to end. So that told us, you know, we, we need to take another big step uh, this year. So hopefully we can continue to do that as we go. I mean, last season, Coach, you only suffered two losses in the regular season, and they were by single digits I mean, or, or, or 10, 10 points or less. Notre Dame, you lost 13-3, to three, but you held Notre Dame to only 13 points. St. Mm-hmm. Martinville, you only lost by seven. I know that's a Parish rivalry game that you led off the season with, but, you know – you've been progressing this way and I, you've been there a while and you've been building towards this. Do you feel last year was kind of like you guys' breakout year in a lot of ways? Uh, yeah, but you gotta be careful with that. You know, in 17, we, uh, 2017, we, I thought we had a, had a breakout year. We made it to the quarters and I thought, you know, uh, everything was going to be great. And then the next year we had a down year and it was, uh, that's when I realized that I wasn't building it uh, or that uh, we we weren't building it the right way uh, that we needed to start over uh, and, and try to build it again. So I think this this uh, this time, hopefully, and I can already tell. I mean, with the leadership and the and the seniors and the just the locker room all together, that it's uh, you know this time I, I learned a lot from 2017 to now as far as uh, the right way to do things and and uh, how to build it. So yeah, last year last year was big. You just have to make sure you know it made me nervous because. You want to make sure you follow it up with another great year to, to prove that you're building it the right way. Let's go back. What did you learn during that process? Because obviously that was kind of earlier in your career, your coaching career. You're not that old, coach. So what did you, you know, <laughs> what, what was the big thing that you learned? Did you lear- learn how to change your own approach and or how you dealt with your kids and the expectations? I got I got to tell you, it's just I learned – I've coached at a lot of different places. I coached uh, – you know, I coached at Bell Chase in New Orleans on the West Bank. And, uh, you know, I've coached at Cutoffs, and I've coached in a private school at Turlings. And I just realized, you know, it's it's always different kids. They're completely different everywhere you go. And this Cecilia is unlike anywhere I've ever been. I mean, we'll joke about it doing the crying towel speeches and stuff, but it's true. I mean, there's I've never been anywhere quite like St. Martin Parish, and it's it's different. And you have to change the way you think and the way you interact. Um, and, you know, I think in 17, I was doing it how I've always done it, which I've had success. And, yeah, we, we, we did have some success that season. But what we didn't do is I, I think I was building a great team. I wasn't building a great program. And that's kind of after, after the next year in 2018, uh, we had a horrible season. And that's when we, we knew we had to just tear it down and rebuild it. And I think I just learned more about how to build relationships with these kids. 
you know, to, to gain their trust. Because that's the one thing, I mean, every coach will tell you, you the kids got to trust you and they got to know that you care about them before they're going to follow you. Um, but it was harder to do it, Cecilia. And I, and it was because of me, I had to change the way I was thinking and the way I was uh, interacting with the kids uh, because the way I'd done in the past, it, it wasn't working. So, um, you know, it's just little things. I, I learned a lot more. I've learned a lot more from the kids in Cecilia than they've learned from me. I, I can promise you that. We're talking with Cecilia High football coach Dennis Skanes. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach, last year you have a tremendous regular season and you win your opening round playoff game with ease mm-hmm. against Beauchamp. Next up, you win the shootout against Lakeshore, 44-37. And then you, you fall to Neville on the road up there, 41-7, the perennial state powerhouse, the number two seed in the bracket. Most coaches will say they learn more and they motivate their team more from losses than they do victories. What have you and your staff been using that playoff defeat to Neville to your advantage this offseason? Well, I, I, you know, it's, it's completely true. And I, I knew driving back on the bus from Neville, a nice little drive, but I'm, I, I just started taking notes and, and started looking at, you know, why we lost and what we were unable to do. And, I, you know, I, I'm very blessed. I've I've always I've been raised by really good coaches, and Sonny Chaponche being one of them over at Turlings. And you know, it's you never I, we're I'm unable to look at a game when we lose and say, well, they were just better than us. They had better kids. I, I can't think like that. I've you know uh, working with Coach Chaponche at Turlings. I mean, we beat so many people that we had no business beating. That I feel like there's always a way. And I just started looking at our approach and saying, you know, we, we had built it to be as good as we could be with the players we had, but we had I wasn't looking at necessarily the who we had to beat down the road, you know, uh, the Nevels of the world. And we, we didn't configure everything scheme-wise for what we were doing personnel-wise um, to be able to compete with those kind of – with those kids. You know, they were a lot bigger than us up front. And uh, looking back, I, I probably should have played some – some bigger, younger kids and taking them some lumps early, but let them grow and develop to give us an opportunity to, to be able to compete versus that kind of uh, the kind of kids we saw at Neville. So I just, well, I mean, when we got back to the coach's office, I, we sat down and I just got on the board and started putting together a depth chart and telling them what we were going to do next year and how it was going to be different because we had to be able to compete with the Nevilles and the Cars and the Warren Eastons of the world, and we weren't going to be able to do it if we continued on the exact same path. And we could have had a lot of success regular season, but when when you need to play the big dogs down the road, you're going to need to. It's going to have to have a different approach. It does. It can be at times eye opening that they're a perennial power, right? And you mm-hmm. know they're sending kids off to the SEC and everything like that. So when you play a team like that with that type of talent, does that change your approach in the weight room? Uh, does it change your approach in conditioning? Or does it even change your approach when it comes to how you scheme uh, your offense and your defense? Uh, for us, it was uh, I did revamp the weight room and what we were doing in there. That was more because of I was adjusting to a COVID. You know, I I'd kept kind of the same COVID uh, mentality, which which changed what I did in the weight room because of the longer that we have but yeah I, I revamped what we did in the weight room to and focused a lot more on strength and and uh 
but scheme, it was more scheme wise and what can we do to compete if, you know, uh, number one, can we get kids at the same size? And, you know, we may not have a six, five, six, six, you know, they had two, six, six offensive linemen. We may not have that, but can we compete with that? And, and what, what gives us the best opportunity to do that? What defense would help us and, uh, what offensive scheme will allow us to compete with those guys and what they had up front, uh, and it just kind of changed how you know the you know the kind of offense we're going to run this year is going to be uh, kind of designed to to be able to compete with those guys and and uh, same thing defensively we were always looking for a way to to um, you know when you when you go into it you you know you you look at the teams on your schedule but you also got to look at okay if if we're being serious about this and and our goal is to play in December well we we're not just we don't just have to beat the people on our schedule we got to beat the people. Uh, the best ones in the state. So let's look around and see what, who who are those people that are always there, and, and what do we what would we have to do to compete with them? And you, you know, just kind of broadening your your view of it, I think is uh, is kind of a bit you know something that you have to do as a head coach. Let's talk a little bit about this year's team, coach, and let's start with the offensive side of the football. Uh, you, you got Diesel coming back; he's going to be. Uh, playing quarterback for you he stepped in last year due to an injury after playing different positions you got him coming back you got rich collins in the backfield and you got to that wide receiver davis uh, you got some some stud impact players on that side of the football yeah absolutely no we're we're um we sure do and you know you talk about ridge and and those guys uh you know, Ridge, like I've said this several times, I hope there's a college coach listening. I've never coached a, <laughs> saw an athlete this good in football who has not gotten a scholarship opportunity yet. Uh, this kid is a, is a just kind of a man among boys right now. Uh, but no, we're we're explosive. Uh, I think we have some people that can that can make some plays and do some stuff. You know, we're gonna have to where we're where we're. Uh, need the most improvement is going to be up front with the offensive line. And, and that's kind of what we were just talking about. You know, we we're a lot bigger and that's not by mistake. You know, we're not bigger up there, but we're young. And I think, you know, last year we made some decisions on the offensive line, looking back that killed us versus Neville, which is, you know, early in August, you know, we had some smaller kids who looked a lot better on the offensive line. Um, uh, you know, and they could move and they could pull and they could do all these things uh, where the bigger kids weren't getting there as quick and they weren't picking it up as quick. Uh, so we went with those smaller guys. And at first that probably made us better. But at the end of the day, when we went to play Neville, that didn't make us better. We needed they, those the smaller kids just couldn't hold up. So we made some changes on the offensive line. Those smaller kids are still good football players, so they're starting – you know, one of our, our thing our offensive tackles now are starting defensive in, our uh, tight end, and our one of our offensive guards is now starting on defense as a like a, a linebacker. So, uh, but we put some bigger kids up front to be able to and, and hope that they grow and they learn. Uh, but when did that, we also had to sacrifice experience. So, you know, the five offensive linemen that we put out there uh, this year have never played a snap of varsity football. So. Uh, you know, it's going to be five new guys up there who are, who are learning. You know, so we'll have some bumps in the rows, I think, up front. We saw that last week versus Turlings. And, uh, but at the same time, I think they're, they're continuing to pick it up and grow, and they're going to get better each week. And I think by the end of the season, uh, we're going to be a lot, we're going to be a lot more equipped to play with the, with, uh, some of the bigger teams.
Now, where you have a lack of experience on the offensive line, your defensive line in particular, your front seven on the other side of the football, uh, you got five returning starters. How much of a strength is that, having that kind of experience on defense? Oh, I'm a defensive coordinator. I mean, I'm I'm a defensive coordinator. I'm a defensive guy, so I, I love it. You know, having the guys that, especially these guys that, you know, like Ridge just started since he's a freshman. He's a senior now, and, you know, uh, most of those guys are, are three-year starters, you know, and it's kind of like once once they're that, uh, they have that much experience and they're, they know the system that well, I mean, you can really, really start to broaden what you do. Um, and, and we've been able to do that a lot this summer in this, uh, you know, early this uh, August camp. And it's just a, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's like one of those things where you're speaking the same language where maybe two years ago it was probably Greek to them, but now it's, you know, we're all on the same page and same language and they're giving me suggestions, you know, now. And that's when you can get that where kids are taking ownership and because they understand the entire concept of what you're doing, it makes it, it makes life, well, it's, it's a lot of fun, first of all, uh, because you're collaborating with people that uh, have been, that are actually out on the field doing it, you know, so. Uh, it's just it's been a lot of fun and and uh, we have some really talented kids in that group. Our, I think our defensive line is going to be exceptional. Um, and if we can stay healthy in that front seven, we're going to be. I think uh, we'll have a chance to play with anybody defensively. Wrapping up our conversation with Dennis Gaines, to see a high football coach. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, coach, you you, you know what you're going to get in district play. You're playing the likes of Livonia, Opelousas, High Bro Bridge, Iowa. You know it's going to be a tough district, but I look at that non-district schedule of yours, and I see St. Martinville, I see Class 5A Southside, I see Washington Marion, Crowley, and, of course, Notre Dame. Uh, what are you wanting your kids to get out of that non-district schedule before you guys start playing district? You know, you play good teams. We scheduled Turlings from the scrimmage, and I'm glad we got STM in the Jamboree, and, you know, you you start off because those good teams will show you your flaws very quickly. You know, we get more out of um, playing Turlings last week and because they're a good football team and they're, this year they're going to be, I think, exceptional. And, you know, you get to play those teams and, and they show you your warts pretty quickly. And I think um, sometimes that, you know, it hurts your feelings a little bit, but, but also it, it makes you so much better. And, when you play in the good, when you play in a schedule like like we have the first five, and um, not that the second five are any easier, but the when when you can schedule that and always have teams that are um, that are going to challenge you and they're going to show you weaknesses, then all you're going to do is grow and continue to get better. And it's you know, Louis Cook told me this once, and it's true. It's just you know, you play some of those teams, and you realize you can play with you can play with some really good against some really good football players and you always draw against that. You can always draw on that later. Like, Hey, you remember when we played uh, Notre Dame and had that big tight end? Yeah, this is, this is very similar. We're going to do a lot of the same things versus him, you know, and, and uh, it just kind of prepares you for down the road and it, and it gives you a lot of growth. You know, it's always dangerous playing St. Martinville the first game. Cause you could, you know, you could be 0 and one and that's a, you know, that's something you never want to do. You always want to start out on top. You know, so uh, I'll start out with a one and zero record, and sometimes you're not going to do that if you're going to play a great team, the good teams early. But at the same time, I think at the end of by the end of the season, uh, you're going to be a better football team for it. Coach, always appreciate your time. 
best of luck in the Jamboree and, of course, best of luck uh, this coming season. Hopefully the Bulldogs will be able to put together another great playoff run even further this time around. Appreciate your time, brother. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to y'all uh, soon. That's Cecilia High football coach Dennis Gaines joining us here on RP3 and Company as we continue to march closer and closer to the high school football season, which will be kicking off next week officially. Jamborees tonight, tomorrow. Official kickoff week one next week throughout not only Acadiana, but the entire state of Louisiana. We got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day and talk a little Raging Cajuns football as well. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place the same game parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team is going to get the win, which team is going to score first, and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Once again, must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 is issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions do apply, so make sure to see DraftKings.com sportsbook. For full details, licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Neil to the show. Neil, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? What's going on, RP? How you been, brother? I'm I'm just gearing up to be immensely disappointed by our football team this season yet again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, listen, listen, man. Hey, we're we're here. I'm here for you. We we have the uh, the South Louisiana support group between you and I, okay? And we just so happen to be in the same fantasy league this year. I heard that you and Miss Five Names were doing the uh, doing the fantasy football thing. So I switched over from Clint Domain's league to y'all. Yes. I figured I won Clint's two years in a row, so I figured I'd come over and you know get a, get a better challenge from a uh, a better football fan in you and uh, MS Five names. So, uh, and I also want to remind everybody we there's still three spots left. So if you want to play with RP three and Miss uh, Five names, 
call up the station and get in, man. We got to get this thing rolling. I'm I'm pumped for fantasy football, guys. I'm pumped as well to play. I'm more pumped about playing and having you play in our fantasy football league than I am to watch the Washington Commanders struggle without Chase Young for at least the first four games of the season. Hey, look, we'll be all right, man. It, you you got to have faith. Like, like I, I got on my, on my YouTube, faith <laughs> and football, that's what's going to get us through this year, okay? You've seen Carson Wentz, right? I just say, I'm just hey, saying, man. Hey, look, oh. I'm, looking for, I'm looking for Sam Howell about week six. <laughs> oh, man. Okay? Oh. Let's see what the rookies got. Yeah, because we, we, we already know what Taylor Heineke has, and that, that, that ain't working for us either. Brother, I appreciate the phone call, man. Enjoy your day. Be safe out there with the bad weather, all right? Take a good, take a good one, man. Neil, my fellow Washington Commanders fan, and, and a man who's joined our fantasy football league, he told Clint Domain, I've dominated your league for two years. I'm done with you. I need a challenge. I would assume the world-famous CD is celebrating this news. That way he won't be embarrassed by Neil in his fantasy football league no more. Or, unfortunately for the world-famous CD, someone else will win his league and dominate him instead. (laughs) I'm excited. We got Neil. We got our friend. My fam. Wife's cousin. Zach Miller, back in the league as well. We got Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan, part of our league. So we're having a good time. Having a good time. All I know is that our uh, MeTV, Acadiana High broadcast team, we're about to dominate our league because me, Monty, and Cole are all in our league. We, We have Monty and Cole in our league? Yes, Monty, Cole... Oh. George Faust just joined yesterday. Fausty is going to be in the league. We're going to have some fun. John gonna... Paul, Cajun Daddy. John Paul! We, we've had to, to be lit in our uh, little fantasy league. There it is. There it is. Yeah, that's right. If you're interested in joining our fantasy football league, we're going to be doing a live draft, I do believe, a week from Tuesday. We're going to wait until the week of the opener. Yes. We'll have it on that Tuesday night, Tuesday evening. That way... Any transactions, any injuries, all that stuff will be put to bed. That way you're not drafting someone that's going to be out four to six weeks. That's how I like to do it. I like to do it as close to the season as possible. So we'll have ours. That'll be done online. And, of course, we'll talk about it a ton on the show and have you guys be part of the show, of course. And we also uh, just got two messages in to myself from Salty Steve and from Doc to be put in our league. Boom! Put them in! <laughs> Send them the invite! One spot left, guys. There it <laughs> is. Now. There it is. Got to have Doc. Got to have Salty Steve. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Taylor Bhutan. He serves during the day. He serves the community as a law enforcement official. In his spare time, he serves as the head coach of ACA football. That's right, the homeschool team that plays in that league, that wins state championships and competes for state championships year in, year out. Coach will be joining us next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Oh, the Honorville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off on Saturday, September 10th. The cooking is going to begin at 8 a.m. and the eating is going to start at noon at the Flower Auditorium there in Arnaville. There's also going to be plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly, Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information about the Arnaville Volunteer Fire Department's Black Pot Cook-Off, visit ArnavilleFire.org. That's ArnavilleFire.org. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Tell us how you feel about Major League Baseball making the decision for the first time ever that all 30 teams will face each other in a season. That's going to happen next year, believe it or not. Kind of cool. I think it's cool. Overwhelmingly, you guys agree with me. But keep those comments coming. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter as well as keep those votes coming. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk some more high school football. This man serves his community in Bro Bridge as a member of the police department. He also has been dedicated to providing structure, guidance, and leadership to homeschooled young men throughout the Acadiana area with an immensely successful football program, the Acadiana Christian Athletics program that has won state championships, that has competed for national titles, and continues rolling right along. It's our privilege to welcome back to the program the man in charge of the defenders, Taylor Paul Bhutan. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you, bud? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So how do you feel about your team right now? Season's ramping up. So how do you feel about your team? What's the roster looking like? What's the number of kids that you got out there? I keep seeing, I keep hearing things. It keeps growing and growing. Tell us all about it. Yeah, man, I'm feeling really good about the, the squad this year. Um, we have 47 guys on the varsity roster this year. About 21 of those are, are new to the team. Uh, the remaining guys are returning. Uh, nearly all of the 47 on the roster were here for our spring training in May, which was a four weeks of defensive uh, position-specific stuff, offense specific position-specific stuff, playbook installs, uh, and the same group here for our preseason, which was about four or five weeks of training. Uh, so these guys put in some solid work. I'm confident that it will translate onto the field during games. Um, that we, we've, got a, we've got a great group. Let's go back to last season. What's your biggest takeaways from your own perspective about yourself as the coach, as the leader of the program, and about what your team was able to do? Uh, as far as myself, uh, learned uh, to, to delegate. I had a lot of great coaches that I wasn't delegating to, um, some great parents and volunteers that I wasn't delegating to. So I, I began to delegate at the end of that last season. Um which has helped us tremendously. I contribute that that to the growth of this season. Uh, our coaches and volunteers have helped tremendously with that growth, um, as well as just beefing up the schedule as compared to last year. A lot of people wanted a tougher schedule. Uh, they wanted to play some bigger some bigger teams, and we've got probably the toughest schedule since we've been in in existence. The toughest schedule 
uh, since you're in existence. So what does that consist of, Coach, and what kind of travel does that consist of being able to play uh, better competition? Uh, so the travel actually uh, is not much of an issue. Uh, we're, we're traveling this Saturday. We're playing uh, a homeschool team out of Fort Worth, Texas, um, at Independence Stadium in Shreveport. Uh, it's a pretty solid team, big guys, a lot of athletes. Um, we also have one of the top homeschool teams coming to us uh, this year. Uh, we play a, a, a 3A high school in Texas, um, and we'll have another solid homeschool team coming to us towards the end of the season. Tell us a little bit about this matchup in Independence Stadium. You know, that's the site of the Independence Bowl and, and older uh, venue for college football. That's going to be a, a great experience for your kids. How did that come to be? Uh, give us kind of the behind the scenes on that. Yeah, man, I got to talking with the coach from this team, the, the, the Atlas Rattlers, and, you know, we wanted to meet halfway. Um, and Independence Stadium is almost exactly halfway. Uh, we knew it would be costly and 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 uh, a lot of planning, but we both said, "Look, we're doing it. Let's do it." We we got with the I got with the Parks Department in Shreveport. They they were extremely helpful in in accommodating us and guiding me through the contracts and the paperwork. And uh, you know that was set in stone, and we'll be meeting them Saturday. How excited are your kids about playing a game like this at a neutral site? They're pumped up. I, I believe the families are pumped up, too. You know, it is a, it's a three-hour travel, but it, it doesn't really bother people when you get to play in that type of venue on a Saturday. Um, so that that kind of overshadows the travel. The travel is, is not much of an issue when you, when you take into account the type of venue you get to play in. We're talking with ACA head football coach Taylor Paul Boutan. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach, how do you deal with expectations? Because you've built a program, you've taken it from, you know, nothing, and have built it into a championship program year after year after year, and it's just growing. How do you deal with meeting and exceeding expectations from season to season? So we really have a next man up mentality. Um, you know, in, in 2018, we graduated, I believe, 13 seniors. Uh, the top running backs, almost all of our offensive line. You know, and, and there was a lot of questions around the if we would be successful that next season. In 2019, we ended up having one of our best seasons ever. We installed a new air raid offense and threw for over 3,000 yards. We had the same questions. A couple of years later when we graduated, that top receiver and top quarterback and, you know, another top running back. And these young guys continuously step up. They get older, they see the successes, and they want to continue to grow on that. They want to continue the successes, so they work hard. So we're constantly seeing young guys getting older and stepping into spots. So, you know, you're losing top positions, you're losing top players, but a young guy is ready to step up into that position and perform. So you deal with the expectations because you built a culture of next man up mentality. You also are getting more and more recognition, more and more kids are coming, more and more parents are being involved. Part of the learning process for you, I would assume, is having to let go of some things, right, and delegating 
and not trying to have to do everything by yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been tough. You know, I, I'm, at, I'm at peace with it now, but it was tough. Uh, you know, we're used to 25, 30 players, and I can talk to everyone in the parking lot and, you know, get to know everyone a little bit more. Um, so, I've, I've, you know, delegating has helped tremendously. I, we wouldn't be able to have the growth had, you know, I not delegated to these coaches and some of these uh, volunteer parents. Um, so, you know, it's tough. 47 players one year, and you had 30-something the year before. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to, to deal with that growth in one season. Um, delegation has been huge. With more kids playing and more kids being part of what you guys are doing there with the ACA defenders, there's also additional cost involved, more uniforms, more equipment, more meals on the road. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes costs that people don't think about. How much is fundraising become part of what you do as the man behind the scenes, the man in charge of the program? Yeah, fundraising is huge. We, we've been blessed, though, this last two seasons with um, some families who own successful businesses, and uh, they have contributed to the program um, and have allowed us to not have to stress about fundraising while the boys are playing. Um, so that has allowed us, you know, this year we bought 50 brand-new shut F7 helmets. Um because of some donations from families. So that has allowed us to allow the boys to focus on football, you know, because we don't get them in a school. We don't have a student body where, you know, we can spend a day at school planning about fundraising. If we do fundraising, it's normally after these boys are done with their schooling or their work. So those contributions have helped us tremendously. Wrapping up our conversation here with ACA head football coach, Taylor Paul Boutain, he joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach, it's it's been quite the journey for you, and I, I asked you this before, and I ask it again. How do you balance your career in law enforcement with being the head football coach for ACA? It used to be a lot tougher. Um, but again, going back to that delegation this year, this year it has been a blessing i have not been able i haven't been able haven't had to stress about the game planning and and all that as much because of my great assistant coaches i have about 15 assistant coaches that are handling basically the day-to-day operations of everything practice and game planning coach brent simmons my offensive coordinator coach troy menard my defensive coordinator Josh Edison and Jordan Freyu, Brant Lejeune, Dylan Tullis, Keegan Frederick, John Marsalis, Joseph Richard, Elijah Watson, Ryan Guillory, and Noah Guidry are my assistants who handle everything. They have game day responsibilities. They handle all that. allows me to focus on my work and show up and be a head coach. Coach, appreciate your time. As always, brother, keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there with the football program and Keep leading the defenders on and off the field. Best of luck this season, brother, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, sir. That's ACA head football coach Taylor Paul Bhutan joining us here on RP3 and company. That's going to be a great moment for these 
young men as they get to play inside Independence Stadium on Saturday for a neutral site high school football game for them. It's an amazing experience that they're going to be able to have up there in Shreveport. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, football season is here, and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, and a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the Game. Go sign up for that so you can win that. That is awesome. Poll question of the day. Major League Baseball is making all 30 teams play each other in 2023. Is this fair or foul? 97% of you say fair. 3% say foul. Keep those comments coming. Keep those votes coming as well on our poll question of the day. Tad has chimed in finally. Go Dodgers. Robert Duplachan says, I love the round robin idea. Good comments. Keep them coming. I like efficient comments on a Thursday. Also, breaking news. The RP3 and company fantasy football league is now full. All done. 14 teams. They're in. Invites have been sent. They have been confirmed. We're going to have a good time. If you want to get in to one of our other leagues, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. They got one spot. Nope, they're now full. They're full. We still have the world-famous Clint Domain. He has a plethora of spots available. You want to play in one of our fantasy football leagues, reach out to us, let us know. We'll sign you up for the world-famous CDs league. Still spots available to play fantasy football with the world-famous one. And you already heard. We already talked about it earlier. Neil is out of the league, which means someone else has a chance to win Clint's league. It just won't be Clint. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three. We'll kick it off with Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. That's next here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The New Orleans Saints will wrap up their preseason by taking on the Los Angeles Chargers inside the Caesars Superdome tomorrow night. To give us insight on what battles are still going on in training camp, what's the latest on Michael Thomas and more is the man who covers the New Orleans Saints for CrescentCitySports.com, 
Our good friend Les East now joins us here on RP3 and Company as we kick off our number three. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing great. So let's start off with Michael Thomas because Saints fans are a little nervous right now. And I understand why. Because he's, you know, been limited and now he's got this hamstring issue or maybe a groin issue or whatever is going on. What's the latest you can tell us about Michael Thomas's health status and is he going to be ready to go for the season opener? I think so. I, I don't think there's um, much cause for concern, though I understand it because he's been dealing with stuff for two years now. But, you know, Dennis Allen said last week that he thought that he would be ready for the opener and that uh, based on the knee. That was before the hamstring issue came up. But, you know, I I walked past Mike, uh, I think it was two days ago, going back from the interviews to the media workroom. And uh, when I walked past him, I didn't see any wrap on his leg. Uh, he wasn't limping at all. He looked fine to me. So that, that's obviously not a thorough examination, but nonetheless, there was no no obvious signs of anything uh, being problematic. So I, I would not expect him to play tomorrow night, but I would expect him to start against the Falcons on September 11th. I don't think there's cause for any significant concern at this point. Does it help that the preseason's wrapping up early and you're going to have more than a week off between the last preseason game and the opener for not only the Saints but all NFL teams? Is this going to be helping for health purposes? Well, yeah, I think that would be the the potential benefit if if guys have uh, relatively minor injuries that that can heal up in, in, in that period of time. Uh, it can be helpful. I, I don't know that it's great in terms of uh, sharpness going into the opener. You you have three games, and it seems like uh, teams are playing their starters less and less uh, in recent years, and now you have the gap between games. So I'm, I'm not sure that teams are going to have quite the continuity and sharpness at the start of the opener that maybe they've had in previous years. But it will help some players uh, to heal up if they have relatively minor injuries. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out on opening day. But I would expect that the the first half of some of these games on the the 11th and that weekend uh, are are not going to be the best examples of NFL football. Let's stay with the wide receiving core. We know Kevin White went on the IR with the injury. Uh, lots of chatter out there about Callaway and Smith and and being on the bubble for making the 53-man roster. Uh, a lot of that, I guess, has to do with Deshaun Dixon playing so well, the undrafted rookie out of Nichols. Uh, who's, who's on the bubble? Who, who's on the bubble to make the team at wide receiver? Well, I would think that uh, Smith and Dixon and Kirk Merritt would all be on the uh, bubble. Now, Merritt's uh, kind of a wild card. They moved him to to running back last week where he played at Destrehan High School, and so he could make the team sort of the way Ty Montgomery did in recent years by being a, a backup running back, a backup wide receiver, and he could also be a backup return specialist. So he's a wild card. 
both at running back and wide receiver. Now it comes down to they keep five or six receivers, and does Merritt count as a receiver if he does make the team? Because, you know, your top three receivers are set with, with Thomas Landry and Olave. I think Deontay Hardy has to make it because of his return specialist ability in addition to being a good receiver. So that's four spots right there. Callaway was your top receiver last year. I think he's in pretty good shape. Uh, but it wouldn't be shocking if somebody stole a, a spot from underneath him. And then you get the Traquan Smith, who could be on the bubble, but if they keep six guys and Kirk Merritt is not considered a receiver or doesn't make it, you know, Traquan flies under the radar sometimes because one of his biggest strengths is his ability and his willingness to block, which the Saints put a a heavy emphasis on in their wide receivers. So he's on the bubble, but I could see him making it. You could have six receivers make it and Kirk Merritt be there as a running back and possibly a seventh receiver or any num- any one of those bottom three guys I mentioned could get released. It, that's one of the most competitive areas left as we go into the last preseason game that there are three or four guys who are going to be kind of nervous what's going to be the situation with tight end Troutman's been banged up and has been limited is he your projected starter is it going to be Taysom Hill what about Jawan Johnson I mean how's that going to shake out yeah I think that's one of the positions that's still uh up in the air as much as any other even though you don't keep a lot of guys at that position i I would consider Taysom hill and adam troutman sort of co-starters at this point they're both going to make it either or both of them could be considered starters depending on what formation and and what play call they want to have at the beginning of the game so those two i think have separated themselves then you know nick vanette is more of a blocker uh, has value there, could make the team uh, as a backup. Jawan Johnson's more of a receiver, has not had a great camp, or at least has not been real visible in the passing game. So uh, I would certainly have him on the bubble at this point. Now, another thing to consider is J.P. Holtz is a veteran they signed to compete for a roster spot. He's not done a whole lot. But Dennis Allen mentioned him a couple of weeks ago as a guy who can sort of play an H-back position, which means he could be competing with Adam Prentice, the fullback, for a roster spot, theoretically, at least. So there's a mix there. I think they probably keep three. They've kept four in the past because Sean Payton really liked using two tight ends a lot. Don't know if Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen feel exactly the same way Lucas Kroll I think is more of a practice roster candidate so uh, right there I would say Vanette and Johnson and Holtz are competing for maybe just one spot yeah so a bit of an under the radar competition uh, there let's go to running back Uh, look Tony Jones Jr.'s had a good camp I know the coaching staff's high on him but a lot of fans are worried about the depth at running back. Do you feel that the Saints are secured there with what they have on the roster? Well, I think they're fine if everything goes according to plan. You know, the, the black cloud hanging over this whole thing. Uh, 
all off season and preseason has been the Alvin Kamara situation in Las Vegas. I mean, at this point, he he doesn't have a court date scheduled until the end of September or early October. Uh, Adam Schefter reported that the, it's unlikely that he would be disciplined this season. So, if the Saints are comfortable that they're going to have Camara well into the season and maybe for the entire season, I think the depth is okay. They still got Mark Ingram the second. I think Dwayne Washington is going to be the third running back because he's not only a capable runner, but he's a very important special teams player. And then where do you go from there? Tony Jones Jr. has had a good camp. Uh, he had a very good camp last year and was on and off the roster all season long. So he's certainly not a lock, but he has uh, shown well in the two games thus far. Again, Kirk Merritt being moved to running back last week complicates the situation, gives Dennis Allen a lot of latitude in deciding how he wants to use those pieces. And then there's Abram Smith, who I think is unlikely to make the roster, the 53-man roster, but I think they definitely would like to have him on the practice roster and so we'll see. Do they play him tomorrow night to get a look at him under game conditions, or do they shut him down so that he doesn't show anything on film that might entice teams to claim him on waivers? So that's a very fluid situation. But I think with the Camara situation looking more like it's going to be kicked down the road, I think they're feeling better about the depth than they might have going in a training camp. How's Jameis Winston look? I know he's been limited throughout camp less because he's been banged up a little bit, but how does he look to you? Yeah, the last two games, uh, last two days of practice, he, he's looked better. He, he took off and ran a couple of times the other day. He's, he still looks a little awkward with the knee, and I, I think that may be the brace as much as anything. You know, he's not playing at game speed. He's learning to play with the, the brace. I, I don't know that there's any real limitations on him because of the knee. I, I, I just think he's working through um, regular training camp uh, preparation and also doing it with a brace that he's never worn before. But he's made some really good throws the last couple of days. He's uh, been off on a couple. Tyron Matthew picked him off in the end zone the other day in the two-minute. Uh, but he made a lot of uh, good throws as well. So I think you're definitely seeing progress from him. Uh, the last two days, as I mentioned, have been particularly good. I think he's on schedule. I don't think that the foot is really an issue now, which sidelined him for about a week. So I, I think health-wise, uh, they're going to be satisfied that he'll be ready to go uh, to take the first snap against the Falcons, and then we'll see how he performs uh, under game conditions because nobody has seen that since he got hurt way back last Halloween. We're talking with Les East. He covers the New Orleans Saints for CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's go over to the defensive side of the football, Les. What do you make of the depth across the defensive line, and how has Peyton Turner, the second-year player out of University of Houston, looked? Well, he's been, uh, I would guess, inconsistent. He got a lot of attention early in camp. But, uh, you know, a lot of that was just he was going against backups and uh, he, he was one of the first guys to talk. So I think he got a lot of TV time because he was available for interviews, not because he was having a dominating camp. So I think, uh, you know, the, the notion that he 
was off to a fast start in camp. I think might have gotten a, exaggerated a little bit, but I, I think he's doing fine for his second-year player who missed most of his rookie season because of injury. I don't think he's been quite as prominent of late, but they've also gotten some guys back in practice, most notably Marcus Davenport, so there have been fewer reps uh, for some of the other guys. So I think he's doing fine. We'll see how he does uh, under game conditions. You know, last year when he did play, he showed a lot of uh, potential, and I I would expect that they – think he's going to look even better this year but it's really hard to judge him at this point uh just based on practice and a few reps in preseason games but i i see no reason to be concerned uh that he won't be what they expect him to be pete werner's been banged up so what are the saints going to be doing at linebacker to line up next to demario Well, I think that's uh, still to be determined. I do think one guy who has stood out in the uh, in training camp and especially last week against Green Bay is Eric Wilson, the veteran they brought in. uh, Had a big year two years ago in Minnesota. I think he has probably played his way onto the team and could have a prominent role, especially if Werner's not healthy. By the opener, Caden Ellis got a lot of reps last week against uh, the Packers, although he doesn't really play the same position as Werner. He's um, closer to a strong side linebacker, even though the Saints don't play a traditional Sam linebacker. Werner's more of a, a will linebacker, but nonetheless, he could he could find himself on the field because those guys are interchangeable to a large degree. You know, they've been tinkering with the linebackers all summer long. They, they brought back Chase Hansen, who played pretty well against Texans, and uh, they, they signed uh, John Bostic last week. Both of those guys, I think, are competing for a roster spot. I think Ellis is in pretty good shape. Uh, Zach Bond is a guy there. They invested a high draft choice in a few years ago and hasn't really performed the way they would like. Uh, I don't know if he's going to make it, but he's still in the mix. He'll probably get a lot of snaps tomorrow night. So I think there's a lot of competition going on there. They brought in three veterans in recent weeks, so they still have questions about their depth there. So they hope Warner is ready for the opener because he's clearly the number two linebacker on the roster right now. But I would say Eric Wilson's the guy to keep an eye on. And one more for you, Les, before we let you go. Who's on the bubble in the defensive secondary for the Saints? Well, the guy who jumps out at me is probably Daniel Sorensen, the the former chief. I think he's in position to make it, but he would be at probably about the 10th spot. And defensive back and defensive line are very similar in that they have a lot of depth there. They're probably going to keep about 10 or 11 guys. And when you get through about 10 spots on the depth chart, I think there's a noticeable drop-off. So there's not a lot of bubble consideration there. But I do think in the secondary, it's a numbers game. I think Sorensen is in position to make the roster. But if they decide to keep someone else like Kirk Merritt or someone else in another position because of their versatility, uh, Sorensen could be the odd man out. But right now I would, I would put him in one of the final spots on the 53. Les, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy tomorrow night's final preseason game, brother, and we'll talk to you next Thursday.
Thanks, Raymond. That's Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, breaking down all things Saints, all things black and gold for us as they gear up for their final preseason game tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Chargers inside the Caesars Superdome. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws, Boutes. Oh, man, Lafayette Marble and Granite. You know they're going to take care of you when it comes to show-stopping countertops for your kitchen and your bathroom. But guess what? Man caves, they can take care of you there. Outdoor living spaces, that too. You need some grout-free showers, got that as well. They want the opportunity to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Go check out their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Great products. All the services they have to offer are there. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. You can also go check out their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the jockey lot. Chris and his team, they're going to take care of you. You're going to find the marble and the stone and the quartz that you want to have. The more importantly, fellas, that your wife wants to have in her kitchen, in her bathroom, and out in the outdoor living space. Once again, go check out their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Poll question of the day. We asked you, Major League Baseball is making all 30 teams play each other in 2023. First time ever that's happened. I think this is a smart move. I think this is a good move. 97% of you agree with yours truly. You say it's fair. Only 3% say it's foul. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. No need to get sideways on the social media platforms huh let's all try to do better we have a few minutes here before we bring on connor o'gara from saturday down south on to help preview the college football season but let's talk a little more college football let's talk louisiana raging cajuns we know chandler fields is going to be qb1 we know they're going to be led by their defense zion hill trey amos braylon trahan and more offensive line Depth may be a question mark, but the wide receiving core, immensely deep. Running back, you got Chris Smith. What about everyone behind him? So there's still some things that they're tweaking as they wrap up fall camp and start making the transition to season opener preparation against southeastern Louisiana. The Lions come to town a week from Saturday. Coach Dez talked to the media yesterday and kind of broke down a little bit, talked a little bit about the Raging Cajuns depth chart heading into the season. Well, I mean, I, you know, we've always played a lot of people, and that's still the plan here, you know. So, you know, we got a lot of co-starters, you know, on the team. I mean, you know, you just look at the tight end room, right? That's where I was. I mean, whether it was Johnny or Neil or Pierce or Burge the last, you know, four years, it was kind of like, well, you know, it didn't, didn't really matter a whole lot. It was kind of week to week or what we were starting out with. So, you got a little bit of that. Um, I think for the most part, we know who, who those guys are going to be. But, 
you know, we talked about running back, you know, being a weekly thing every week. You know, and then certainly, yeah, you know, you got some guys that, that are supposed to be back, but they got to handle it the right way, and they got to physically come back and practice before. Feel good about putting them out there. But, yeah, I mean, we f- feel really good about where we're at um, as far as the organization, the depth chart, and things like that. And keep working a lot of guys, though. I mean, football, it, it changes fast. So, you know, just keep them ready. When you take that approach, and Billy took this approach as well, is you're having a rotation of guys come in, come out. They get much-needed game experience. So when it is their time to have their number called, when it's time for them to transition from backup to starter, the transition goes far smoother because of that. Dez is taking that same approach. He's telling you that right now. Hey, look, the depth chart is what it is, but those guys that are on the two deep, they're going to get playing time. They're going to get in-game moments. So that's how it's going to be across offensive, defensive lines, linebacker, DB, wide receiver. It does not matter. Those guys are going to get quality playing time throughout the season. O-line is a question mark, right? You lost one guy transferred out to go play for Billy Napier at the University of Florida. You had Shane Vallow graduate. You had, you know, you you had other guys graduate and move on. Now, they do have some experience coming back, but depth is the issue for the Raging Cajuns as it stands right now. We don't know what that depth really looks like. Coach Dez talked about the offensive line. You know, I think we're pretty close on the eight guys. You're still waiting on Landon Burton to get back full go, you know, and see where he's at conditioning-wise and things like that coming off of being out. You know, he's working hard in the rehab part of it. We were hoping he'd be back for week one. That's probably doubtful. Seven right now you feel really good about. I think, you know, eight is probably Caden Morrow. You know, it's kind of right there in, in seven, eight, nine. A couple young guys like that that you still need to continue to work and get a little bit better. But, you know, feel good about seven that we've got right now. Uh, I think Caden is kind of the eighth, you know, that you say, all right, might, you know, might be good to get him some reps if we can get him in the game and get him going. Uh, and then when you get Landon back, you feel like, okay, there's another piece that you feel really good about. So, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're happy with it. You know, we just we've been a little spoiled the last couple years, you know, on the offensive line. Last year going into the season, we felt like we had, you know, 10. And that's pretty rare that you feel really good about. So it's for us just trying to get used to it and trying to develop those younger guys to where eventually at some point you feel really good about hopefully eight, nine, maybe 10 as you get towards the back end of the season. Last three years, they've had three guys drafted in the NFL draft off the offensive line. Robert Hunt, Kevin Dotson, and Max Mitchell. You got three guys right now playing in the NFL from a program out of the Sun Belt. Put that in perspective a little bit. And they lost another guy who's a draft prospect who transferred to Florida. So there you go. Trey Amos, former Catholic high of New Iberia star, had to learn how to play DB in college. He's going to be anchoring that defensive secondary as one of the starting cornerbacks. He has been banged up a little bit, but he started coming back to practice this week. Coach Dez gave us an update. Yeah, I mean, Trey's been very involved, you know, mentally with the game plan and all those things. You know, you know, I, I think Trey is a next-level player, you know, so certainly when you have an impact player like that, you, you need him out there and you need him taking reps, you need him going. So, you know, we're, we're pushing the rehab, trying to get him back, and, uh, you know, we're certainly hopeful for week one, and that's what we're pushing for. But, you know, it, it is a long season, so if he's not ready, you know, you can't roll him out there. But, you know, having Trey... You know, you, you just feel really good about it, you know, with him in the boundary, being able to play man and do those things. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we got guys that have been working hard behind him, so it's always the next man up. And if he can go, great. Um, and if he can't, then we'll be ready. 
Raging Cajuns are starting to turn the page. Camp's wrapping up. Now they're preparing for their first opponent of the season, Southeastern Lions, minus Cole Kelly. Come to town a week from Saturday for the season opener. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk more college football with our friend Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or your hips or your back, especially this time of year? You need to be moving pain-free, am I right? It's Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3, for the team at QC Kinetics. Look, QC Kinetics is helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue, no drugs, no steroids, and guess what? No surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is the exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. Call QC Kinetics right now for a free consultation. That's 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. 4222. Right now, it's time for us to talk more college football. Week zero begins this week. I think it's silly to do a week zero. Why not just say week one? I don't understand why we have to make it zero. And when you look at the lineup of games, eh, it feels a little zero. But college football is here. And whether they start this week or next week, we are right here. College football is back to break it all down for us, to give us his insight on what he sees in the SEC, in the Big Ten, and coast-to-coast is our good friend from Saturday Down South, Connor O'Gara, joins us now. Connor, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, I actually I have a, a, a little bone to pick with you because – Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, hearing you say, you know, why do we call it week zero? Why don't we just call it week one? It's you, you answered your own question. It's because we don't have good week zero games. And if all of a sudden we called everything in what we know is week one in week two, we would be confused for three months. And it would be like, wait a minute, but this team's only played this amount of games. Why are we calling this week four when, the, you know, we're, when they're on their third game? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So we can't do that. We have to call it week zero. We have to treat it as like this little appetizer. We can't really consider it the actual start of the football season. Just consider it extra football and your perspective will be much different. Who's ready for some Wyoming at Illinois action or Duquesne at Florida State? Let's go. I mean, I'm I'm going to be more dialed into Vandy at Hawaii at 10:30 on Saturday night. I mean, that <laughs> if you're not watching that, I mean, just just consider yourself a, a casual football fan. You know, the, the slate is weak, but you know what? A weekend and a Saturday with football is better than a Saturday without. You are exactly correct, brother. I may I, I may be making fun of it and trolling it, but you know, good and well, I'll be watching some of it. I, I'm I'm intrigued by. Nebraska Northwestern and not because it's a Big Ten game and they're playing it over in Ireland 
which I, I get Northwestern. I don't really understand why Nebraska is there. It's not like it's a large Irish or Catholic population and, uh, there in the, the land of corn. But I'm intrigued more to see what product Scott Frost is going to put on the field. It feels like this is a make-or-break season for him. Lots of stories coming out about making his team vomit and being proud about it in the offseason uh, during fall camp. Uh, is that the most intriguing thing, and how – Intrigued are you by Scott Frost and his situation? Yeah, it's intriguing, but I mean, let's also remember, like, if th- this is more about uh, being a, a can't lose type situation for Scott Frost than it is about like feeling like he turned the corner if he wins his game. You know, if if you beat Northwestern in, in year five in a neutral site game, cool, congratulations. What is the, what does that really change in the big picture about? how we feel about about Nebraska as a program, a program that has not been to a bowl game with Scott Frost, a program that has not been an AP Top 25 team with Scott Frost. What does is, what is it really change? They go out there and they beat Northwestern. I mean, like, in all seriousness, like, there are people that want to crown programs like Nebraska before they've done anything yet. And that includes not just those in the state, because I, I have very close ties to, to the people of the state of Nebraska. I spent two and a half years out there. I covered their home games during the, the last two years of the Bo Pelini era. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, you guys, you guys actually deserve to have some sort of expectations. This is an eight, nine win team. We can talk about that. This is a team that, that has just been dreadful for the last four four years now, five years, I guess. You want to go back to 2017. And to hear Scott Frost brag about stuff like that going into the season opener, if you're in year one, okay, I get it. You can just hate on the previous regime and their conditioning staff. Oh, by the way, Scott Frost did that when he was in year one. You're in year five. What have you been doing for four years to where now you're like, oh, yeah, now we really got the strength and conditioning program figured out. You know what? No, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about it. I have I have no sympathy whatsoever for Scott Frost and what he's going through. He clearly doesn't get it. He still thinks it's 1995. And the reality mm-hmm. is it's just not. Yeah, it's not. And, and Nebraska seems further and further away from being uh, a respectable program. I'm not even talking national powerhouse, which they were for most of my life. I'm just talking about being respectable, and it, they don't seem to be any closer to that. Let's stay in the Big Ten. I, I, everyone's so focused on Michigan and Ohio State. I, I get it. They're the standard. Michigan made the semifinals for the first time ever last season. They got embarrassed a little bit in the game, but they at least made it. Give me a team that's not the Buckeyes or the Wolverines that could upset the apple cart, so to speak, in the Big Ten. Oh, gosh. Can't be anybody from – I mean, if we're if we're talking about actually winning the Big Ten championship, one would have to think that Michigan State is an interesting wild card just because of what they did last year with, with Mel Tucker and obviously you lose somebody like Kenneth Walker and you, you think, okay, they're going to have a really tough time rebuilding. And I have skepticism that they'll even be a contender after the month of September. So I'd probably give the nod to them just because, all right, you know what, you feel pretty good about – feel pretty good about Jalen Reed. You feel like if Peyton Thorne takes that next step, okay, then that, that that's interesting, even though their pass defense last year was just an absolute train wreck, and we saw that play out against Ohio State. Everybody's kind of holding on to hope that, that Penn State is going to be that team. And I'm just not convinced of it. And I've seen so many of these games in which James Franklin is going against a better coach, 
more talented Ohio State team, and you know he loses. I mean, they, we we've watched that one that one 2016 blocks field goal return, and all of a sudden we think that Penn State is a candidate to beat Ohio State every single year. And I, I'm just not necessarily there yet, even though I know a lot of people are, and I've seen people throw out the idea of Wisconsin kind of being that potential wild card team. And there's, there's a lot of love for Braylon Allen, the stud tailback. I'm not a Graham Burtz believer, so I can't get on board with that. So, yeah, I mean, that's a roundabout way of saying, I actually don't think there's, there's a group in there. I think Ohio state is one of three teams that can win a national championship this year. And I picked Ohio state to win a national championship. So yeah, maybe, maybe they'll have a regular season loss to a random big 10 West school because they've been prone to do that over the years. But then again, it's like, it's Ryan Day. He's got one loss in Big Ten play so far, and it was last year at Michigan. And I think they've taken the steps by adding Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, to be able to kind of shore up that defense, shore up that defensive line, which needs to be better if they're going to win a national championship this year. Let's stay in the Midwest and go to a team that the Big Ten has wanted to join the conference but is yet to do so, Notre Dame. What are your expectations, Connor, as someone who covers the sport, what should the realistic expectations be for the Fighting Irish in year one under their new coach? It shouldn't be to beat Ohio State in that opener. If Notre Dame stays on a field with Ohio State, I'll be impressed with Marcus Freeman. I really will. And I, I, I point to, for those saying like, oh, wow, why, why would you say that? Doesn't it feel like they have a lot of offseason momentum? Doesn't it feel like they're going to really play for this coach? Look, I, I get all that. All those things can be absolutely true. And, and Notre Dame can follow maybe a similar formula that I've been talking about with Oklahoma, uh, a lover scorned, a coach that a program that has a coach that leaves and all of a sudden they feel like they have this us against the world type of deal, but they have a pretty tough schedule. And in that opener against Ohio state, I don't think they're going to stay on the field with the Buckeyes. I mean, this is a team that since 1999 is two and 21 against AP top five teams and 14 of those losses are by three scores or more. I'm not banking on Notre Dame to be that team to stand up, to what is clearly one of the best two teams in college football, two or three teams in college football, and be able to look them in the eye with a new head coach when you got a new quarterback as well. I, I don't have necessarily a ton of confidence that they're going to be there in the playoff mix at season's end and they're going to be like 11-1 and one or something like that. But at the same time, Notre Dame's got five consecutive seasons of double-digit wins. To write them off and just say, oh, they're, they're going to all of a sudden fade off into mediocrity, they're going to be 7-6 and six this year, I think would be too much. I, I have them more kind of in that nine and three type of range, but I worry about that schedule. That BYU game in Vegas is going to be really, really tough for the Irish with all the experience that BYU returns. So, yeah, I'm a little bit more of kind of the wait-and-see mode for Notre Dame this year. We're talking with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's head over to the ACC. Clemson had a supposed down year last year, winning double-digit games and being ranked in the top 25. But the standard is what the standard is now there for the Tigers. Do you expect Clemson to bounce back this year and be a contender? And if so, what needs to happen to make that happen? I am not a believer that Clemson is going to get to the college football playoff this year. Now, could they be better than last year and still miss on the college football playoff? Yeah, I think there's a path for Clemson to be 11-1 and and miss the college football playoff just because of some of the questions that I have about the ACC and some of the weaknesses I think they could show, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which, oh, by the way, they're starting a quarterback in DJ Uyunglele, who did not have a top 100 quarterback rating in FBS last year. And to think that he's all of a sudden going to turn the leaf, I, I'm not a believer. I, I was 
blown away at the season that he had, and I really do think that that Georgia game changed the trajectory of his career. So I look at those things. I look at the fact that they they, they have the best defensive line returning in college football with, with Brian Brzee, with Miles Murphy, with Xavier Thomas. Like they, they should be phenomenal up front. But the issue is you know, you're still replacing Brent Venables. Brent Venables is easily one of the two best defensive minds in the sport and maybe the best defensive mind. So Dabo replacing both of his coordinators, trying to run it back with a quarterback who didn't work last year with an offensive line that we still kind of have some questions about. No, I'm not necessarily a believer that Clemson is destined to return to prominence. And I think anybody that slides them in that number four spot is doing so because the number four spot feels really up for grabs because of how good the top three is. And they're kind of the the team that's getting it by default. We talked about, expectations for a once proud program in nebraska earlier let's talk about miami there there seems to be genuine buzz about the hurricanes but i feel like i've been down this road before connor how do you feel about the hurricanes under mario long term pretty good um pretty good i mean this is this is the way you got to do it right you you have to be willing to spend more on on your football program, that that why that reality took so long to, to sink in for these schools in the state of Florida with Florida State and Florida as well. Florida just opening up their new $85 million football facility. It took too long for these schools to realize that others were, were taking advantage of the arms race, and, and Miami is one of those, those teams. So long-term, I'd feel pretty good about that. I really like the hires that Mario Cristobal made. I love the fact that he went out and got Josh Gaddis from Michigan and kind of pounced on that opportunity. I love what we saw him do by getting Kevin Steele, a man who's had seemingly every Power 5 defensive coordinator job under the sun in the last year or two. And then, you know, to go out and even get somebody like Kevin Smith, the old Miss running backs coach, I, I was really excited to see Mario Cristobal do those things to to kind of better his staff and better his situation long-term. Year one, though, even with Tyler Van Dyke, I think it's going to be a little bit rough. I think they're, they're going to have a tougher time kind of keeping their head above water defensively. And I think that's a group that I, I kind of look at the schedule and I'm like, all right, they got to go on the road to A&M. And the ACC, while it just kind of dogged it, it, it still does have some of those tough matchups that await them. So I'm not necessarily a believer that they're going to be 10-2 and or 11-1 and to start off just because I have more questions about that defense. I think they should put up a good amount of points, but I, I do like the, the overall vision, and I think they've set themselves up to be able to have success sooner rather than later. One more for you, brother, before we let you go. SEC, obviously Brian Kelly beginning a new era. Lots of question marks there on how this team is going to look, right? It, it seems to be all over the place, but he's not the only program, right? Ole Miss, what are they going to do? Who's going to play quarterback? Also, Texas A&M. You know, is this the year? Is you know, is this the year with everything that happened in the offseason for Jimbo Fisher to finally break through? They beat Alabama last year, but then they still lost four games. So, who are you the most intrigued by in the SEC West? It's got to be LSU. I, I think A and M. I and my crystal ball projections, which I have those for every SEC team. Uh, we're finishing up with the East this week, SaturdayDownSouth.com. I have. A&M going 8-4. I mean, I know that's the running joke, 8-4, August 4th is A&M day. But I just look at what they return, and I have so many questions because they just lost their entire defensive line. They lost Mike Gelko to Duke. 
They have a quarterback situation that I have a lot of questions about because as intriguing as Haynes King is, I still wonder how what, what kind of upside he has in this league. And Max Johnson, I feel like we know his upside. Their offensive line wasn't necessarily world beaters last year, and they have questions outside of Anaya Smith at the pass catcher position. So look at all those different things. I say, well, I mean, why are we so sold on A&M? I just don't necessarily get that. A team that hasn't even played in a conference championship game in the 21st century. Like, let's, let's see it before we actually crown them. So I always use my most intriguing team just because I think they're going to be really unpredictable. I don't really know how this season is going to follow for LSU. I projected them at 7-5 and five and 3-5 and five in the SEC, which feels really conservative. But I think when you look at LSU and you say, well, I have a, a massive question about their best returning player, Keishon Booty, and that's because we've seen him have these two ankle surgeries. We saw Brian Kelly talk about learning his last name, and who knows what it's going to look like without Max Johnson there. who used to just force-feed him targets. So I look at things like that and all the transfer portal additions that, that we're seeing from Brian Kelly, un, uncertain at the quarterback position, just kind of a total wild card. So LSU is a team that could be all over the place. They could have top-10 talent and end up having you know a New Year's Six Bowl season, or they could be 6-6, six and six, and guys can kind of bail on Brian Kelly midseason, which we've seen with some of these first-year coaches. So I think LSU is really, really intriguing. They're the most unpredictable team in college football. Connor, appreciate your time as always. Brother, we'll be chatting it up throughout the season, but enjoy the first weekend of college football. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. We're going to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes on this stormy Thursday morning. Make sure you be careful out there on the roads. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Saints legend Roman Harper, and you are listening to The Game. College football is back. It's time to enjoy their tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also play place a same-game parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you'd like. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. See terms and conditions at DraftKings.com sportsbook. I want to thank our guest, Dennis Skane, Cecilia High, football coach Taylor Bhutan, ACA head football coach Les East from Crescent City Sports, and Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Poll question of the day. How do you feel about Major League Baseball deciding to have all teams play every other team starting next season with the schedule? 98% of you say it's fair. Thanks to all who called. Thanks to all who voted. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parch Third, better known as RP3. We'll do it again tomorrow. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.